Ho, ho, ho! Hello, fairy tale friends. It's me, your old pal Santa Claus. I heard that you've been very good this year, so I've asked my friends Tara and Ryan to record a very special episode just for you. So grab your hot cocoa and cozy up by the fire. It's time for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. Come in and know me better, man. I love that line. I know you do. I love that's that why I that's why I opened with that's it. That's my favorite character in this. If you haven't guessed, and I'm sure you have because you probably read the I don't think anyone just blindly goes like play on like an episode <laughs> of a podcast. But we are doing the Muppet Christmas Carol, and I'm now realizing I have no idea what this came out. Ninety three? Nineteen ninety two. Oh, ninety two, okay, mm-hmm. close. Let's let's talk real quick. I know this is a big favorite movie of yours. Yes. And I feel like I have recently like I've always liked it. But I very recently kind of dove into it, and we'll go into why a little later. Mm-hmm. But what are your memories? What's your what's your story with this movie? I don't have a memory without it. I guess I should say, <laughs> I, and I don't mean that like hmm. I just I it just always feels like it's part of the tradition of this time of year. It's one mm-hmm. I've always watched. I don't think I saw it in the theater uh, when it came out. Uh, interestingly enough, I'll, I'll put one of my facts in here. Uh, it did do well at the box office, but it was, uh, it didn't do as well as it could have because it was up against Home Alone 2. Uh, so, okay. yeah, so I was reading about that. But Well, it's definitely a Christmas, like, favorite. I've heard a lot of people say, like, you know, it's just not Christmas without this. This is their favorite Christmas Yes, movie. and so that would be the same for me um, in high school. Uh, you think this of, is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, see, that's hard for me, but <laughs> yeah, watch, I think it's my, I think so it's many. in it's definitely in my top three. I would say. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, I want to know which one's your favorite. Like you limiting it to top three is pretty doable for you. Like yeah, I, I have a hard time just doing number one. So think about that, and we'll get an answer by the end. Ugh, but this okay. is definitely a top three for yeah, you. Yeah, it's top three. Uh, and in high school, we used to always watch it every year. So we would all like gather together. I think we may have exchanged gifts. Like that while night while this? we watched it or something like that. I'm sure that we we did that. Um, I can't remember if we did. I think we did Secret Santas in high school. I don't really remember that piece of it. But we used to always quote this film. And there's one quote that's actually not in the film that has become like this running joke with all my friends. And I shared it in the last episode. And there's probably one person who listens, maybe two people who listen to this who would get the joke. Uh, and they're two former guests, and that would be Jeremy and Leanne right. might also. I think Leanne might be in on that as well. Uh, so shout out, Merry Christmas, friends. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was always – so I I don't think it's Tiny Tim. I think it is Tiny Tim um, who's rotating the No, goose. no, no. That's the other – It's the other brother, right? The other, <laughs> they, I always like this because – I, I like this thing when it's like I like this version of what kind of children a frog and a pig would have, yes. and not this like weird amalgamation. Not a mix. It's just two pigs and two frogs. Do you remember yeah. the Great Muppet Caper, where Fozzie and Kermit are supposed to be twins? No, I don't. Like the joke is they're they're identical twins, and yeah. people keep getting them mixed up. Oh, that's. And then funny. there's a guy who's like, I remember working with your father, and he cuts to a picture of his father, and his father is like Fozzie, who is green uh-huh. with like. Kermit's bib and like Kermit's eyes. Oh, I love that. It's so weird. But I like this thing of it's like, oh, clearly when a pig and a frog, it's like weird recessive genes. Like, yes. But when a blonde and a brunette get married, this mm-hmm. is like, oh, you're either a frog or you're a pig. It's, but it comes from the yeah. same parents. So I, yeah. So it's one of um, the sons 
is rotating the the goose around the spit, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, uh, "Mother, the goose, the goose." No, I think Tiny Tim does say it though. He's not rotating it. Yes, but, and it, but it's all during that yes, that moment, and. We would like always quote it, the, the friends of ours, and then at one point we all realized that's not in the film yeah, anywhere. Like we just like added that in in our memory as like a direct quote from this movie, and it is not there at all. See, I even think with he, you saying it right now, this has this uh, Mandela effect of me going. I think it is in there. But. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So we've always enjoyed it. We've quoted it. Um, I think one year when you and I watched it, I think it was last year, uh, I tracked all the things Rizzo ate, and I will do that this year as well for the (laughs) podcast, Uh, but he eats a plethora of things, and I will just say, this movie, it gives me- I can remember some of them. Do you want me to try real quick? There's an apple, there's the chestnuts. No, 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 Piggy eats the chestnuts and gets caught, and they're like, mother! (laughs) Yeah. I think he eats. Does he have jelly beans at some point? Anyway, okay, we'll watch. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll watch this. Uh, but for me, it gives me all the feels, and I like genuinely laugh at it every year. Like I know the movie inside and out, and can probably quote the majority of it. Even the quotes we've added <laughs> don't exist. <laughs> uh, and it's still one that like I will laugh out loud and just like have such a great time watching it. And I do feel like once we got together. You had seen it before, but I think it's now become one that you enjoy. I'm a, a very Muppet purist, and like I like the '70s Muppet stuff, the and best, that's understandable. And the real, I, I like completely the Muppet movie is my favorite. Yeah, I actually it's been a while since I've seen it. I need to see it again, but I don't like Muppets Take Manhattan, and a lot of people put that in that like original trilogy of the three good ones. Mm. But I remember as a kid, I didn't really like it as much. Yeah. Um. So I so kind are- of put the like. After Jim Henson passes. So that's why I think this one is kind of unique because this is the first film to take place after he passes. Right. And so I think that it could still, again, I don't want to um, argue with what you're saying, but I think out of all of them, this one is still the closest right, to like him in that sense because he passed in 1990. The film came out in right. 1992. It's like the, the, the kind of like trail off after Walt died. Like yeah. the Jungle Book. And or those. like the Jim Henson magic, right? Yeah, Not yeah, to yeah. say that like that went away completely, but mm-hmm. it's different. So what are your... Do you have any specific I memories? Have a, I have a very specific memory and it's going to... It's it's a very vulnerable memory. Um, I uh, see a therapist for anxiety. Um, I don't have a lot of it, but I, I'm a lot better with it now that I figured out what it was, which we figured out what it was by me dating you and, and watching The Sopranos and watching Tony Soprano have panic attacks and going, I kind of do that every once in a while. Not yeah. really. I just think it was me. Like, I think I was just de- like drilled in my head to f- term out like you're just freaking out or you're just like, quote, well, unquote, and whatever. Then- and until you can like identify it, sometimes I think we think, oh, ev- everybody feels that way sometimes, right. or I don't really know what this feeling is, and you kind of like push it down. And so, like when you can see it, I think film and TV have done a good job of that right. as of late, showing it more and, and talking about it. And so, yeah, it's a great way to identify it. So I'm 11 or 12 when this comes out, and I think we saw it in a theater, or maybe it was the next year and we saw it on TV. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it with my family, and I have a very distinct memory. Of like going into our bathroom and locking the door. And that was, it, this is also like 
our bathroom was a place where I could be very vulnerable because like it was the only place I could lock the door. Like I never, my mom would just burst into my room and do stuff. So I had still does. Yes. Like, so I had no boundaries. So if I needed to be alone with my thoughts, it was the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of, you're spending a lot of time in the bathroom. Anyway. So I'm in there and I literally am in there and I start having like an anxiety attack, but I didn't know at the time I just start crying. And all I can think of to do, it's one of my, earliest ones out i think there's one more i have earlier than that that i remember and i'm like very upset that tiny tim like even though he doesn't die in the movie like would have died in the if things went without ghost Scrooge of changing future, yeah, the, yeah the ghost of future mm-hmm. if he past, didn't make any of future, changes of, uh, of the ghost of christmas future timeline mm-hmm. um and i just went in there and just like sobbed. I remember my dad coming to the door and be like, "Are you okay?" And like really just being like, "I'm really upset about Tiny Tim." And he's like, "You know, my dad is not the most like toxic masculinity guy, but like I don't think he had the tools to deal with that." And he was just like, "Oh, I- I'm sorry." Like he was yeah. just like didn't know what to do. And like after I started like going to therapy for things and thinking about this stuff. For a couple different things, like looking back, that was when I was like, oh, that's an early anxiety attack I mm-hmm. just had over this thing. Um, granted, that didn't really affect my being, but it was like the earliest memory I have of this movie. Um, and I still think I get a little like choked up when I see, you know, yeah. Tiny Tim's are, like a very, uh, you know, it's I would say one of the classically like uh, uh, not relatable um, um, tragic characters that everyone like feels for. Well, and I read, I did not write this fact down, but I did read that this is one of the only versions that shows him truly sick. A lot of the other versions, they talk about him being sick, but you don't necessarily see him as sick you as just he see him is like in on this a crutch. one. Yeah. yeah, like not only does he have the crutch in this one, but he's coughing and like, and I, I think. Like he's a frail. Yes, he's he's frail compared yeah. to the other characters, and I don't know that in the other depictions that they do that right. as strongly as they do in this one. I I think also kind of going off this because in my head I was thinking, man, we're kicking this off with like a bummer talking <laughs> about this. One of the things I think is really interesting about this one is it's it's a lot of fun, but it's also a very genuinely told story. Mm-hmm. Did you read the fact about Michael Caine and what he said about how he was going to portray this character? Yeah, so I have it it verbatim because I wanted to read. Yes, this. I, I wanted to quote him. Uh, very interesting because so I, I've seen a meme recently where it's like. Hey, Michael, uh, it's you and a bunch of Muppets, so have fun. He's like, I'm going to play this as serious as a car accident. <laughs> yeah, so this is, yeah, so uh, here's the quote. And the other thing I would like to say, I came across this, um, Michael Michael Caine, uh, Ryan and I, I, that was not a good Michael Caine. It's also not like our thing. It's it's a, a it's pretty a global like touchstone of how to like, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, but Michael Caine uh sought this role. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, so he uh missed an opportunity. I don't exactly know what happened, but to guest star on the Muppet show mm. from the 70s. And a lot of his friends shared, you know, how much fun they had and how it kind of made them more relatable to children, and I just want to read you the list of those friends. Uh, because one of them is not like the other. And so I just wanted to read this list. <laughs> Friends that had appeared on the show that told him how much fun it was. Sir Roger Moore, mm-hmm. John Cleese, mm-hmm. Peter Sellers, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> okay. So you got to. Re- Sylvester Stallone, like, 
was he, where he is now and where he was in no, this no, no, no. What I'm what I'm saying the fact is that they're friends. Yes, that's more the issue. Is like it's interesting that they were connected well, in they some st- way at they're, that they're time. They're movies together, like later in life. Like they're they're friends, but like I think Sylvester Stallone was in like the '70s movie scene because of Rocky and it being yeah this, like, that to big me makes triumph sense. of independent film. Like yeah. people don't remember that. Like. That was like, oh, sure, we'll buy your movie, but we want to put this person in and do this and do this. He's like, no, I want you to be me, and it's going to do that. Sorry, that was a terrible. <laughs> like, no, he's right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be me. Like, I want to do it, and I want to star in yeah. this. And it became this independent feature, pretty much. So, so yeah, I just thought it was interesting picturing them as, like, yeah, bugs. Yeah, yeah, But he had his agent, like, badger and bother Jim Henson Productions until they agreed to meet with him. So he was, like, very adamant on wanting this role because he missed the opportunity to guest star. So he really wanted to work with the Muppets. And so going back to that quote, uh, before production began, Sir Michael Caine, I guess how we should refer to him. We'll do our best. (laughs) uh, He told the producer and the director, who's Brian Henson. So we should mention that. Jim Henson's son. This is his first movie. Yes. And at one point on the set... They uh, told it, Michael Caine that. Yeah, he. They were like halfway <laughs> through the film, and he was so impressed yeah, that this he was, was his first his first movie mm-hmm. that he directed. But this is the quote from Michael Caine: "I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role, and there are no puppets around me." And Henson replied, "Yes, bang on." <laughs> well, it's funny because I so I found this YouTube video I'll post that's. David Goles, uh, who does the voice of uh, Gonzo as well as other characters, and uh, Brian Henson, and they sit down to watch it, and they film them, and they kind of edit together about 12 minutes worth of stories. And Brian Henson was like, it takes a very spectacular type of comedian to understand how funny that is to to play it completely straight against these humorous characters. Like, yeah. it's not funny for him as a character, but it's creating this amazingly humorous setup, and it's so good. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's a really interesting take on it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit just about the movie itself and a couple, couple facts from it here. Uh, we said it came out in 1992, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, we talked about the director was Jim Henson's son. Um, It is also in memory of not only Jim Henson. It's dedicated to the memory of Jim Henson, but also Richard Hunt. Do you know who he was the voice of? Oh, uh, originally? He was Beaker. But he was also the voice of a character that was retired. Oh, who? Scooter. Scooter was retired at the Yeah, time? I don't know if they brought him back eventually, but he didn't well, Scooter he, did yeah. not appear in this film because he had died in 1992 of AIDS complications. Yes. And so um they retired Scooter. So I don't know if in the later movies if uh, well, he Scooter was in, comes back at all. He's back now. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they retired him in in that moment in right, this right, moment right. in time because of that. That's interesting. No, uh, yeah, the, he is a very tragic story, you know dealing with the whole AIDS crisis and everything. and Yeah, and then Jim Henson was two years prior to that. And right. they uh, they performed Statler and Wald- Waldorf. Right, they right, were right. the voices of both of them as well. So together, that was the two of them. So um, I wanted to share those facts. I also want to go into the scene that was deleted. Oh, the song? Yeah, so the song When Love Is Gone, because I have vivid memories of a child, and I think when you and I would watch it, I was like, 
there's a whole scene missing. Like it's a whole scene with a yes. song and it's on the soundtrack. So reading about it, it was very interesting to find out why it was taken out, where it was taken out of. So I wanted to go into that for anyone else who maybe has the memory of seeing the the original that had the scene in it. Mm-hmm. So the song... Uh, was dropped in theatrical release over objections from the producer and the director. So both uh, Brian Henson and the producer were very upset. Oh, yeah. But do you know who wanted to drop it? Yeah, Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Mm -hmm. Boo. Yeah, boo. Uh, He thought it was too sad for young children. It is a sad song. I don't know that it's too sad for young children because the story in general, there's a lot of sad moments in this, in in the the telling of the Christmas Carol. What I read was that it was, he said, kids aren't going to want to sit still for this song. Oh. And Paul Williams, the composer, when they came to him and were like, I think they're going to cut it. He was like, yeah, but they said the same thing about Rainbow Connection. Like, that was his, like, that was... My, he goes. He said that was his little glimmer of hope that mm, it would that keep. they would keep yeah. it. So uh, it caused kind of a jarring cut. There's this edit uh, when it's cut out of it completely, where I think it's Gonzo, Rizzo, and Scrooge are reacting to what they've just seen, which is the song, but the song didn't happen mm-hmm. in the theatrical release. So then it was released on VHS, and the first DVD release they put it back. So that is what I saw, is when it was released there. Yeah, I've only ever seen it on YouTube clips. So then it was not used on TV airing. So if you Mm. ever saw it on television, it wasn't used. The Blu-ray release that came out later, it was not in that, and it's not on the Netflix or the Disney Plus version. So it's not included there. And apparently in December of 2020, Brian Henson announced that he found the original negatives of the scene and that he would like to reinstate it into the film, hopefully in time for the 30th anniversary, which is next year, 2022. So I am looking forward to seeing if they're going to come out with a special edition with it being 30th anniversary and including it well, again. Well, it's, it's also weird because there's a reprise of the song at the end. That's the last song they sing. Yes. And so it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make as much sense because, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, but, it's fine, but it's, yeah. it, it doesn't have the same emotional weight. Yes. Like the scene does because of the story of, the uh, you know, A Christmas Carol. Yes. One of the things I said earlier was the, like, more respect I have for this movie in 2017, there was an article in Vulture called The Story Behind the Music of the Muppet Christmas Carol, Carol a very uh, clever title. Um, it was about, and this is what I watched, this is what I read that kind of um, gave me a, a newfound interest in this movie. Because Paul Williams, Paul Williams was a uh, writer, he wrote the music for the Muppet movie. He wrote the music for Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Mm. He also, he was like, you know, he wrote music for The Carpenters, Three Dog Night, Barbara Streisand. Uh, He was Oscar nominated for uh, uh, Rainbow Connection. Oh, that song Uh, is so, so good. So all of this is at the end of the the, the 70s and the the very beginning of the 80s. And then, um, as he put it, uh, started on a steady diet of vodka and cocaine. Oof. And essentially, um, there's a thing in there. He says, he, he says, you know, when you forget like long periods of your life, that's when you know you have a problem. He's like, I don't remember the 80s. Oh, wow. Like he just that's coasted pretty along. significant. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he did stuff in the 80s. So it's interesting. Uh, but he, you know, he basically has a really hard time for 10 years and they don't talk too much about it because what they talk about is then at the end when he turns like 49, I think at the end of the 80s, he, they, um, 
he like checks himself into rehab mm-hmm. and he checks out uh, in 1990 and two months later, Jim Henson passes. Oh gosh, that's tough. Um, he had actually, the reason they had gotten him on the movie was he was, he hosted a, an episode of the Muppet show. Oh, okay. And there was a scene they did with Ralph where they did like a song called like a sad song and the piano and Ralph kind of like pats the piano and says, this is a sad song. And like Paul reaches down and touches him. And he says, when I go back and I watch that scene, I realize I, am away i am not reacting i'm not thinking about a puppet i'm consoling like my friend rolf who's sad in that moment Mm -hmm. he was just well that's the magic of the muppets i think yes absolutely um so he comes out and he talks a lot about like trying to find a new lease on life and like he was very um you know looking around and kind of like respecting life and doing this big life change and so when they came to him brian henson said well if i'm going to do this movie without you know, like yeah, without he, my dad, without everything, he's like, I, I, I really like the music on the Muppet movie. I'm going to ask Paul Williams, and Paul Williams was like reading it. And he was like, you know, the universe speaks to you in certain ways, and he's like, I really connected to Scrooge, who is looking. The whole story is about him figuring out how to look at life differently, and he's like, that's well, what a, I was going through. It's a redemption story. Yes, it's, you know? it is a redemption story, um, and that's a lot of like what he did he said you know a lot of this there's a lot of songs in there that are just fun songs but the songs uh it feels like christmas and thankful heart are like the most personal songs to Mm -hmm. him especially go back the the two that connect with me is the one talking about scrooge because he says he thought a lot about like how people felt about scrooge and he said he was thinking about like how people felt about him Mm -hmm. and he was just like i'm not gonna change like this is who i am i'm just this yeah um and that's in the beginning of the film that's the first introduced to scrooge and then thankful heart is scrooge like being so thankful that his life has turned around and that's the end of the film and that's what paul williams felt he made this big deal about like um He's like, I, you know, I, I look at life differently. And he's like, I'm, he's like, he, 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 the whole article, he's like, I'm so thankful for rehab. He's mm-hmm. like, I, he's like, this is a gift and this is this. And he's very much like that. Um, also, the prayer that uh, Tiny Tim does, mm-hmm. bless us all. Yes. Uh, he wrote, was a spiritual, not religious invocation that captured William's own faith. And then it goes oh. into William's own faith, which he goes, you know, I believe in a higher power. I don't know exactly what it is. For me, I refer to it as the big amigo. <laughs> and it's just like, he talks about it a few times where he's like, I was thinking about this thing and I, and I asked the big amigo, like, what do we do here? Like, I just think that's an interesting way of looking at it as like, he's his like, I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's this. I don't know what it is. But like, there's something there and this mm-hmm. is how I talk to it. Yeah. Um, That's, so that was after reading that article and like, I think you said, we'll put it up so everyone can read it. It really made me go back and listen to it. And I love these songs now, thinking of it from this, looking at it through this lens. Yes. So I encourage you guys to do the same thing when you watch it this time. Yeah, very much so. It's a great article. I'm actually mm-hmm. looking forward to rereading it when you post it again. I have another story from there that's that's horrible but wonderful where he was talking about how he wrote the songs and then they were talking about Michael Caine and Michael Caine hadn't sung before. Mm-hmm. So they were like bringing him he's in. He's a little rocky. He's, he's rough. <laughs> and Paul was like, well, I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk you through it. He's, he says, I'll help him. I'll walk him through it. And they bring him in. He goes, Michael, I'm so glad you're doing this. It's so great to be working with you for the first time. I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I, th- nice to meet you. I'm Paul Williams. 
And Michael goes, Paul, we spent two weekends in London together gambling. And he's like, was it during the 80s? And he's like, yes. He's like, there you go. Wow. That, <laughs> so imagine wild. not remembering spending weekends with Michael Caine. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, also, something I read about the music, there are two more songs on the soundtrack, Room in Your Heart and Chairman of the Board. Room in Your Heart is sung by Dr. Honeydew and Beaker. And Chairman of the Board mm. was sung by Sam Eagle. They were both recorded, but they were dropped from the script to help with the flow of the story. I so also, that's why they yeah, don't exist. Neither of those people do I imagine like really like carrying a song. Yeah. Like Sam Eagle. I can't like, <laughs> like it doesn't sound, I don't, I don't hear him. I don't hear Frank Oz singing as him for a full song. Yeah. Uh, this is also the first Muppet movie where Kermit is not the lead. So mm-hmm. uh, this is the first time that there's an example of that. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention about the voice of Kermit, because we've talked about how Jim Henson had passed away, uh, Steve Whitman, Whitmire, 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 thank you. I was trying to read through my notes and it's kind of scribbled. Uh, He tells a story of being so nervous to take over. You know, he was given um, Kermit, Kermit and he was so nervous the night before he was to record all the songs for the film. And apparently he had a dream that night where he meets Jim Henson in a lobby of a hotel. And I think he shares with Jim how he was feeling. And Jim reassured him that the feeling would pass. The feeling of him being anxious and nervous and not knowing if he could live up to Jim Henson's Kermit. And he woke up feeling confident. He woke up that day, that morning feeling confident, went in, recorded the songs, and felt pretty strong about it. It's interesting to me because I feel like... This is one of the better, like, non-Henson Kermit performances. Yeah. And we keep getting further and further away from it, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, one of the things I think that worked really well in The Haunted Mansion is it's Gonzo and Pepe, and mm-hmm. those are the original yeah, guys the, still. The like, Pepe's still. a newer Muppet, but it's still the person who originated it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that that performer's name, but Dave Goals is, like, still alive and still doing it. Yeah. So. Well, and I think the more time that passes... Unfortunately, you have less of the original troop, right, right? right? And so then things change that way, too. Well, there's also, and this is a bigger discussion of, like, how much corporate interest is in there. Like, say what you will about, like, whether or not you like what Disney is doing right now. It's definitely not nearly as, like, the small budget weird performance artist that it was in the 70s with the Muppets. So, Mm -hmm. Very much so. Uh I wanted to talk a little bit. I have a lot of things to look out for that I wanted to share. But before I get into that, uh, the ghost of Christmas past. This, I I read a little bit about how they did the effect Mm -hmm. for this. And so uh, she was created, they made a special puppet of her and it was used in a tank of water. Yeah. And then it was green screened into the movie. Mm -hmm. So that's how they get that effect. And I just thought, I I think it's still an effect that holds up. I think it looks pretty good. Um, anytime we rewatch it, I don't know if you came across anything else. I have a uh, bunch of stuff. I, I'm going to actually hold off on all my, cause it's a bunch of little things. And as okay. we go through the, the plot afterwards, I'll bring them up then. But I saw the same thing. They had, you know, like, uh, uh, plastic see-through things to operate it oh, underwater. Cool. Um, they were talking about how like when Scrooge is flying, he's not holding anything cause that it's not there. Yeah. It's a very cool effect. I, I remember, like, the last time we saw it, I think, saying, I feel like they had to do that underwater to get it to flow. Yeah, to get her to flow like that and look like she was floating. Uh, 
you know, we've gushed on Michael Caine a little bit, uh, but he considers Scrooge one of his most memorable roles. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely see that. Also, this was supposed to be a TV special. So originally Mm. I read it was supposed to be a TV special. Uh, But there's lots of things to look out for and things that I'm kind of excited to look out for uh, in this viewing of it. Uh, One is toward the end of the film, there's a haberdashery. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Uh, See, just just confidence, my dear. There's a haberdashery. uh, (laughs) And it's called Statler and Waldorf. So look out for that. Uh, Another thing to look out for is in the final musical scene, there's a store in the background called Micklewhite. And that's because Michael Caine's name he was born with was Maurice Joseph Micklewhite. Oh, wow. So, I, and also I was like, wow, what a unique name yeah. compared to what his stage name was. Uh, another thing to look out for, in one crowd sequence, there's a lobster hanging out of a basement window. Now, I have not read a lot of Charles Dickens. I don't know if you have. I've read this. Okay. But there, he had a lot of weird turn of phrases. Like he had some odd... Like, mm-hmm. phrases of things. So one of them was, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. So that <laughs> specifically is to refer to that. So I thought that was kind of a fun, weird way to, like, pay tribute to Dickens uh, in this film. Obviously, the whole film is based on his work, but another thing to add in there. This is not me trying to put you on the spot, but didn't I give this to you for... You did, and I was just thinking I need to read it now it's, that we're at It's Christmas short enough time. that it's good to read, and it's yeah, also Yeah, I've never like, read it. You'll like it because one of the things they do that's very cool in this is like Gonzo's lines are just taking him straight out. Yes. And that's they write about that's why they wanted to do it was to have like his prose, like they wanted him as a storyteller to have like his lines there because like these are just such good lines. But then it's also they talk about why they put Rizzo because they thought the idea of having this like Dickensian literature and then a rat next to it going like, yeah, this is weird, like was like a really funny little little bit. Yeah. Well, and to go into that, I have a couple more things to look out for. But originally the three ghosts were to be Miss Piggy, Scooter, and Gonzo. Mm. So that was originally uh, and for Gonzo, he would he would be future. Only his nose would stick out of the dark, uh, the the dark hood. But Scooter was absent from the film, as we mentioned earlier, because mm-hmm. um, they retired his character at that time. And so then that's kind of when they changed it. But so yeah. originally, that's how those characters were going to be used in the film. I think they made a wise decision in how you know Miss Piggy is Bob Cratchit's wife. Mm-hmm. I think that's that works so well and is such good com- comedic relief. I think having Gonzo narrate is... I love right. Gonzo and Rizzo narrating Well, he does such so a good much. job of like, he's very Gonzo, but then he starts just saying the Dickensian yes. lines yeah. and they work real well. Uh, an- another thing to look out for, the conclusion of the song One More Sleep, Kermit is in the street alone. Uh, so this is when he's walking home. Is this the the shooting star? Yes. Yeah. Oh, is it about the shooting it star? It is about okay, the okay, shooting okay. star. So I was I was just using that as a reference because I remember that shot very. Yes. Yes. So there's yes. something specific about the shooting star. Okay. So uh, he's in the street alone. We see the shooting star, supposedly in many Muppet movies. So it said not all, but it said many. So I don't know which other ones it includes. There's one in the Muppet movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a shooting star whenever Kermit's on screen. They do a shooting star. So that was another way of them kind of That's connecting cool. to the old. Do you remember it in the Muppet movie where he's like, he goes, they're all on the side of the road because I guess the car broke down. They're, they're around a campfire and he like goes off by himself and he has this talk with 
an- himself mm-hmm. about like how am I going to do this? Like I have to do this. It's really it's a really good scene. Yeah, and then it does a shooting star. I just remember that. Oh. Yeah. See, this is why we need. I I want to do a Jim Henson. Oh, I agree. Season I would sometime. love to do it. Uh, one last thing to look out for in the first scene. There's a shop sign called Duncan and Kenworthy. And the producer's name was Duncan Kenworthy. He was one of the creators of Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock songs, a musical history of Fraggle Rock, uh, which I now... That I don't know, but I know Fraggle Rock. Yeah, which I now want to look more into that. So that was a note for us to look into that (laughs) specifically. Uh, During some of the first screenings, this is something I found so fascinating and something I've never put together. But in some of the few screenings that they did, at the end, there were kids and they asked... Why did the bookkeepers, what did they do wrong to get coal? Because he gives them coal for the oh, fire, but kids right, 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 associate right, right. coal with being <laughs> naughty or bad at Christmas time. And so that's something that I didn't, I never put that together. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I thought it was fun that kids made that connection. That's like, funny. what did they do that was wrong? Uh, to well, it's because coal. they threw a, uh, as we learned a few weeks ago, they threw a snowball at the mailman. <laughs> uh, I also, I mean, I love the bookkeeper's heat wave. Now, do you know that was almost not in the movie? No. They had a long discussion about that joke because they thought it was too goofy. Oh my god! It's one of the. They, it's one of my. It's. They have a long one talk of my about, most favorite. Yeah, parts it's of your the favorite because they talked about. It, they go. Well, this is kind this of... This is my island in it's the It's also sun. like because it like cuts to them and it cuts back and they've got yeah. all the... Like they're like, it's too... It's it's too out of it. And they go, well, we put it in and then everyone loved it so much that that's the reason in Treasure Island, the rats... There's that whole subplot of the rats thinking they're on a cruise. Yes, yeah. Like it's Which directly because they went, that joke's not going to work. And then the joke works so well. Well, and we talked about this, I think, in the Haunted Mansion Muppets mini tale. That that's what Muppets are known for, like the long running gags that go throughout yeah. a story. And I think also jokes that are out there that land and work, right? And do you think yes. that, that that's an example of that or no? Uh, I, I, th- I think I understand them going, I don't think this joke will work. Because like, yeah. I think Muppets, most of the time they pull off like one liners, but this felt a little, I don't want to say avant-garde, but a little mm-hmm. meta and strange yeah. and almost Looney Tunes-esque. So I understand. I think it worked. I think they pulled it off in a way. Like, it's it's one of the funniest jokes. Yes. But I love them. I just like to hear them having the discussion about it. Yeah. I Like, around a table. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I also read this with the music. I forgot to mention this earlier. Mm. There's another verse on Marley and Marley, but it's only on the soundtrack. And so it is, we're Marley and Marley, and now it's time to part, doot, doot, to get back where (laughs) they keep our kind, the wretched and the heartless. The news we've shared has got you scared. We're glad that we got through. So make amends and make some friends. The future's up to you. That was really good. Okay, do the, you want to keep that in there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we're 100% keeping it in there, mostly because of the doot doot. It's in the parentheses. Does it say it says doot, doot, doot doot? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just that. No. Was, I thought that was a personal touch. No. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, but that's the additional verse. Uh, I did my, my best. That it was, was really good. One take Tara. So. <laughs> um, so I thought that that was fun that there was another verse in there. And then I only have one last thing, and that is a list of people who were considered for Scrooge because I thought... Is it this, Is it Roger Moore, Peter no, Sellers, and not. Sylvester Stallone? I kind of wish it was. <laughs> uh, let me find the note 
here we go. Oh, did I not? Did I cut it off? There it is. David Hemmings, Ron Moody, Peter O'Toole, David Warner, and this is the one that stuck out to me. George Carlin. Is that a weird one? I don't know who the first two are off the top of my head. I don't either, but I thought you might. I know Peter O'Toole and David Warner who were like, I'm trying to think what you would know David Warner from. He's in a bunch of Star Trek stuff. Um, but I but thought yeah. George Carlin was a weird one, and then I read it a fact. It just feels like like this feels like a, they went who was big in the seven. Like it feels like these are people they would want to get in like prime Muppet heyday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. And then in 1990, they're like probably trying to reach back and and get that magic because like you know George Carlin was such a 70s hippy dippy mm-hmm. guy that he seemed like or, or in 80s. Well, and still stayed popular after that. But yeah, when he first. Yes. At the height of his popularity. Then I read another fact that said Jack Lemmon wanted Mm. to be Scrooge. No, Jack Lemmon was considered for Scrooge, but he wanted to play Kermit. And the producers decided he was out of his mind. (laughs) And they moved on. It's probably true. Uh, But I I found that interesting that he he just confidently was like, oh, no, I don't want to play Scrooge. I want to play Kermit. I do love the idea of like (laughs) a bunch of humans doing the Muppet story. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's all of my information. Well, cool. I was going to save the heat waves thing for now, but I'm glad it fit in it uh, naturally. Yeah. But yeah, sounds... Now, this one did come in a clamshell. I very distinctly yes, remember this. Yes, and I had it. I owned shell. the clamshell edition of this. Well, it's time to open that clamshell up and stick it in the VCR. See you on the other side, listeners. Listeners, we are back, and as always, this one is delightful. It's so good. It is. I, I I gotta say something. I like how not like how it. it I I like that it's sad in parts. I yeah. like that it's just like there's good feelings that bring you through to the end. Yeah, I agree. And it's not necessarily just like Christmas is great and blah 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 blah. Now I like a good Christmas is great story, but I think sometimes what's good about Christmas is like or at least Christmas stories is the idea that like there's a triumph or something over like things may be bad, but at Christmas we all feel good. Yes. Or at yeah. least that's the idea of Christmas. When stories. we talked, yeah, we talked a little bit, we touched on that in the Grinch episode a little bit about like conflicting mm-hmm. feelings and whatnot. And yeah, I think yeah. this does a good job of mixing in a lot of those different feelings. Right. So I guess we'll just dive in. Yeah. Now we've talked about essentially the Christmas Carol story before, because last year, and we'll probably drop it again on actual Christmas. It, we did uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. So we know that one pretty well, but we'll talk a little bit about specifically this one. Yeah, we'll talk about what the details, you know, mu- the Muppets are so good with details. Yes. And so, you know, this one is that as well. And it starts with a... This one is that as well? Is that as well? I think that makes sense. Okay. Uh, and it starts with a uh, shot of the, the, the rooftops of London. Yes. And that's a miniature shot. Yes. That kind of, when it goes down past thing, fades into the actual um, set. So I took a note. Um, You said it goes into the actual set right around when executive producer Frank Oz comes on the screen. Yes. So that's about when it switches. And it opens with the in memory that we mentioned. Mm -hmm, And then it also opens with all the characters and who they're playing. Now, it's not necessarily actors. It's Yes, Kermit Kermit as Bob Bob Cratchit. But then it's like, and Michael Caine. So that's like the first 
legit credit in it. Is yes, the, Rizzo the, as himself yeah. is the other that one. That one that's makes great. me laugh. Yeah, because everyone else is somebody. And then it's the title of the film. So mm-hmm, the title mm-hmm. of the film comes um, during that part as well. Uh, we open up on the town, or would we call it a village or a town? It's London, so I'd call oh, it a city. Oh, a city. Yeah, I guess it is London. <laughs> it's I just, forgot it looks it a London. lot like, like it's charming because I don't think they built these huge sets. Yes, it's just like yeah. two or three stories mm-hmm. at most. So we open up on the people of London and you were talking about how the pigs in the beginning are improvising. Yes, that little bit where it's like, oh, that was a good food. What should we do now? Lunch? Like that was apparently a little improv they did. And according to Dave Goals, they did a lot of improv like that for some of the little like chatter and things like mm-hmm. that, that. And some of that is some of the best lines when you hear yes. those little pieces. Now I want to jump to another story that happens right here. Yes, I have a note a- actually, to remind you. The other part that's real funny is the, the, I forget, always forget this: the melon getting stolen. And yes, he's like, he's like someone's stealing me and being like, stolen because all the food and Muppet movies talks. Yes, but then it cuts to like people kind of sitting on rooftops and awnings on the rooftop. Yes, a very tiny Tim looking frog, but it's kind of one of the generic frogs and a different have. green. It's yes. not it's not Kermit green. Yes, it's 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 a little more a little bluer, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but during that shot, um apparently what you have to remember is there's only a certain amount of Muppet performers, not only the ones who are doing specific voices, but some of the ones that are just there to like be in the background or like operate background Muppets, mm-hmm. etc. So like Well, and a lot of them do multiple voices of the main one, yes. the main Muppets as well. But some of them are, but so like Dave Goals is up there just doing it for the shots because, you know. And just, he's Gonzo. He's Gonzo. And he was telling the story that he was laying down in this thing in order to get into the shot because there's a lot of it. There's unfortunately a lot of talk about Muppet performers and all the like back surgeries they all yeah. had to have and things like that from being in weird spots. But he was down in there and he said it was like being in a coffin and then... Well, and when Ryan says down in there, for us, it's actually up. It's yes. a rooftop that the frog is sitting on. Well, I don't actually know that it that part's up. They could have built oh, that I on the ground. I guess they could have built that on the ground. Like but, but it looks, for us, yes. the viewer, it looks like it's up high because it's the rooftop with the gutter that he's kind yes. of sitting on. So he's laying in it, and they do the shot a couple times, and then they all decide, great, good shot, let's go to lunch. And he goes, and you, no one came and got me, <laughs> oh so gosh. I'm stuck in there, and I just start being like, hey. And he goes, I, I learned from horror movies, if you want to freak people out and if, in a coffin, you bang on the coffin. So eventually someone came and got me. <laughs> and he's telling this to Brian Hinson, the director, who is reacting. I think this is the first time he knew this. He's like, we did? <laughs> he was, felt really bad about it. But he's like, oh, yeah, it's the kind of thing you had to do to do this. Like He just yeah. acted like it was like, I would love to just hear like the... 20 other stories like that that apparently happened to these poor guys yeah yeah i think they have to squeeze into these tiny spots to make it look like so it doesn't look like you know a just like a puppet show yeah, it doesn't yeah, just yeah. look like they're behind something mm-hmm. big it's like so they are in spots that make you go yeah hey, this is a well and character. the muppets i feel like have always been creative with that even back to the muppet movie with kermit in uh, oh in the on the log in yeah the water. on the log for uh rainbow connection yes. you know that is such a magical moment to see that you know well there's another scene later um where they talked about where the uh pigs are all talking about scrooge after he's you know in the in the christmas future timeline mm-hmm. i'm saying it like it's a sci-fi movie in the christmas future timeline but they, he was talking about he's like you don't realize this but like they all have umbrellas He's like, right under them are all of us. So we're in like rain slickers and all this stuff because we're just getting rained on as we're trying to perform this. Yeah. Because we're not worried about keeping us dry. We're worried about keeping keeping the the actual Muppets dry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, 
So we are introduced to Rizzo and Gonzo. We find out Gonzo is Charles Dickens. They're selling apples. And I wrote here, I love how, because Gonzo is the storyteller, he calls everything as it happens. And so he says, and he's going to come around the corner right now. Yes. And uh, he does this throughout the whole film. And I'm a storyteller. I'm omniscient. Yes. And I almost wrote a note, but then your comment made sense. At the end of the film, uh, they're on a windowsill and... Rizzo says, are we safe to be up here? And Gonzo's like, yeah, what's going to happen? And the window opens and it, it Scrooge opens the window and it knocks them off. And I was like, oh, why didn't he see that coming? But then you made a point. Yes. So, well, there's one, there's a couple things there. Number one. like I think that's the first thing. And yes. then, yeah. The idea is, and Brian Hinson said this. So afterwards, when they get knocked down, they run by Bean Bunny and Bean like looks at them. And sees them. And sees them. And they and people start interacting with them. Like Bean runs into them and says, I'm sorry. Uh, Scrooge, Scrooge taps, taps them on, on the head. Hat. The idea was that the story had caught up to where Charles Dickens was. And Charles, he still knows some stuff later. Like when he's like, and Tiny Tim, who did not die. I don't yes. know why I like that reading so much. Because it's like, so like, nobody worry. He's yes, fine. he's fine. He lived a long um, life. Yes. It, it felt like when <laughs> you see a character die in a movie and i have to tell you how the actor like got up when they said cut i know and, like yeah. walked and like went and had craft services maybe filmed a couple scenes after this like, like when they're i find no one really died like when i called you during uh i was not say what it was but there is a, there was major, a, a character, major character of a uh, major tv a, show a major tv show and uh it's their their ending moment and i called ryan sobbing and laughing and crying yeah laughing at how absurd it was that i was crying as hard as i was crying because this character character had uh, you just did died. it a few days ago with somebody in bones i did with you, for all our bones i'm gonna bleep that out oh but, shoot yeah, yeah sorry so that's, that's okay. a spoiler but, yeah but what i'm saying is like you said something with it and you were just like oh and like but you were your time from when you start crying to when you start laughing because you realize it's a fictional character as we've gone on and our relationship has gotten smaller and smaller. I will say the one for the show that it happened first where I called you sobbing and laughing yeah. that we referenced earlier here, I've never cried so hard for a character since, like, yes. ever. Like, that's the hardest right. I've ever, like, cried it, for a it, fictional character. It was Breaking Bad. We could say what it was, but we yeah. won't say who. Yeah, but it was pretty bad. Yes. Uh, so, but I just, yeah, I love all the attention to detail. And that thing that I thought was, oh, why didn't they do that there, fits in yes. with what they wanted Brian to go Hinson for. Brian Henson said specifically, mm -hmm. the story is caught up. They're part of the story that yeah. can be seen now. So the first song we hear, we're meeting Scrooge. It's the song Scrooge. And what we both said we really enjoyed, you don't see his face till the end when he gets to his door. I think that's when you see his face. I will say one thought I had here is if you're going to be an actor in a, a Muppet movie, you better be comfortable with how you look from a low angle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because I feel true. like they film him from these very low angles they for do. most of the movie, but specifically this scene, it's very menacing. Yes. Uh, and it goes really well with the tone that they're setting mm -hmm. on who Scrooge is. And uh, we see him firsthand when he comes in with one of his tenants who can't pay their mortgage. And he starts talking, I think, about his daughter and her lungs and they're not doing well. Yeah. And so it's already kind of in a dark place where we're really seeing... I thought this scene played a little more comedic than you're making it, mostly because the Muppet who was doing it was like, please, sir. Like, it's a well, Muppet. It has yeah, a funny voice. Yeah, but yeah. we're seeing how intense Scrooge is, I think, from... Mm -hmm. I love the song Scrooge, but we're seeing, yes. like, how intense he is from moment one. 
Uh, the bookkeepers talk about being cold. This is where the heat wave scene that we talked about comes in. And then this is, uh, listeners, we talked about my history and watching and loving this movie for years and years and years. Scrooge has a gold tooth. How have we never and noticed this? And this is when I noticed it. It's They zoom in, and you can see it in other, other moments of the film. But they zoom in on him. It's when he's sitting at his desk, and it would be his right. His left. His left, our right. Our right, stage right. Um, it's not the two front teeth, but it's the tooth. I forget what that one's called. The bicuspid, is that right? I have That's probably no not idea. right. I don't know what teeth. I think bicuspid is a tooth word, but I don't, I don't know, know if that's, that's it. the right yeah. tooth. But I'm, yeah, I'm impressed you pulled bicuspid well, out of nowhere. It's the tooth that's in between your front tooth and your canine. So whatever that tooth is, mm. that's you, the... you can hear. You could probably hear me on the recording going, <laughs> uh, and like trying to find it with my tongue. But that's the tooth that's gold, and it like shook me because I was like, "How have I never noticed that?" And it's so prominent. Once you yes. see it, you can't unsee it, and you can see it through the whole film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found that an interesting detail. So then his nephew Fred shows up, and again, Gonzo knowing he's coming before before he comes. And then we started thinking about the word humbug, and I was curious about the the origin of humbug. You know, did Dickens kind of coin this word because it's now, you know, in the is it in the culture? How would you say it? Uh, I would say it was in the cultural vernacular, bah humbug. Yeah. And it was a word before this, kind of meant like trick or hoax. Yeah, mid-18th century, unknown origin, but what Ryan found out was the phrase bah humbug was mm-hmm. Dickens. Yes, so that, that was popularized by Scrooge. Yes. Uh, Rizzo at one point during the scene when they're in the office is used as a bellows. I love that when he's used... To like keep the fire going. Yes. Uh, Beaker and Bunsen come by. They ask for a charitable donation. Scrooge is very unkind to them. He's not very kind to Fred either. Fred comes with a Christmas wreath. Not super kind to them. Uh, and Bean Bunny comes singing a carol basically for money. Yes. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, a penny for a song. And Scrooge winds up throwing the wreath that Fred him. gave him at Bunny. Uh, so Scrooge wants them to work on Christmas and the rats, they're so timid at this point. We kind of see how they interact with Scrooge. They, they get the guts to say something. And then as soon as Scrooge shuts them down, uh, they agree with him. And it happens here again. They encourage Bob, they encourage Kermit to ask Scrooge Mm -hmm. to be off on Christmas. And the minute that Scrooge doesn't like the idea one of them says oh it was the frog's idea it wasn't our idea it was the frog's idea <laughs> i thought you were going to talk about my long talk about like labor practices and the oh, importance no. of unions at this point because yeah. i was like you know he doesn't have to you know the only reason we have it off is because of the work of the labor party here in america mm. and blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> well the reason that bob cratchit gives which is i think what kind of sways uh, Ebenezer is, you know, you're going to waste a lot of expensive coal for the fire. You know, it's coal you can save one day, right? Uh, so that's what he winds up saying. So he gives them the day off kind of begrudgingly and then wants them in even earlier on the 26th and everybody agrees. So then he, Scrooge leaves and we get this really sweet scene with Kermit and the rats closing up shop. And Kermit at this point blows out a candle and I never thought about how it was done. I was like, oh, Kermit's blowing out the candle. Well, I think we talked about it last year when we watched it. I was like, wow. we Because I thought the same thing. I was like, yeah. we just go and then Kermit blew out a candle. It's like, he has no it. breath. Yes. And yeah. it's just, and it, it was funny because in the thing I watched, Brian Henson was like, everyone always asks us how we did that. We just had a tube off screen. That was it. Yeah. No big trick. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so then the next song comes in, One More Sleep Till Christmas. And Merry Christmas, penguins. Yeah, Merry Christmas, penguins. Uh, my new what I'm going to start saying to everyone at Christmas. It's great. Uh, but I love how clever the rats clean up, you know, how they get the blinds to go down and how they're putting the books away, you know, because they're so short. So mm-hmm. they're doing all these different creative things to clean up. Kermit ice skates with the penguins, and that's when he says Merry Christmas, penguins. Then Rizzo and Dickens, Rizzo and Gonzo skate uh, as well. And then this is where it kind of takes it back to that realness, that sadness. We walk by and we see Bean Bunny shivering in the oh cold with a newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I about so that. you realize, you know, that he's homeless. And probably the donation that Beaker and Bunsen were asking for for the homeless potentially would have maybe helped Bean Bunny and others like him in yes. in London. I think is kind of maybe what they're trying to connect with there. Um but as Scrooge goes home, uh the door knocker turns from a knocker into Jacob Marley's face. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of a scary moment. And you said that Brian Henson, Henson was a little surprised that kids were scared. He's like, I guess it looks scary, the morphine tech. Well, and the way he opens his mouth, yeah. like the way that they do that. I just I remember, I think we talked in the Mickey's Christmas Carol how when he changes in that one to Goofy, that used to scare me as a kid. Yeah. I don't it's I mean it's a chilling scene if it you think is, about it. Yeah. And the other thing we should mention here, there is a Jacob Marley in the original. There's no Robert. No, there's uh, no yes. Robert was made because it's Statler and Wal- Waldorf. Yes. So uh, Scrooge, he's kind of lighting lamps. He's, you can see, is just a very cold, like, sad home. Like, well, he there's no real point, decorations. He makes there's... that point that he likes darkness because darkness is cheap. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I encourage everyone to, if they get a chance to read the book, because, like, the really clever twist of, of turn of phrases in this are usually directly from Dickens' book. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote here, the music is so good. The music's good throughout, but especially this scene. There's a lot the, of instrumental. The yeah, the, the score. The instrumental <laughs> cues are really great. Tara and I, I played trumpet in like, you know, in marching band and she played French horn. So we have a, I, we may have talked about this on the show. Whenever there's something with a French horn, she's like, mm-hmm, French horn. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, check out those trumpets. Like we're always at odds with each other. And then at the beginning of this, they've got this lovely little melody where the French Almost horn and the trumpet are in, are in complete harmony. Yeah. like it was just very nice it was nice to hear that but mm-hmm. the score on this is very it good. is beautiful and some of it is in the soundtrack on like spotify or the record or whatever and i should say i saw this year i don't know if this is something that happens every year but i saw it this year that in some towns i know it was st louis there were a couple other towns mm-hmm. um that did the uh watch along where you could go and watch the symphony yeah. the symphony would play the score and then you could watch the movie and they did it from up it's christmas carol so i'll be looking out to see if it ever comes our way in Texas. Now, another thing I want to talk about here is you brought up, we have shown on the Facebook page and in earlier episodes how you do the Calvin and Hobbes decorations for Christmas. Yes. We've never seen any Muppet Christmas Carol decorations. And it's something like we've seen that Home Alone house that was down here. Yeah. Like people, there's, you know, the leg lamp from a Christmas mm-hmm. story. People do Christmas vacation stuff. If listeners, if any of you see any like, um, you know, Christmas decorations for that our Muppet Christmas Carol decorations. Please take a picture of it and send it on our Facebook page, our yeah, Twitter, our it. Instagram, wherever. I, I have dedicated my Christmas decorations to Calvin and Hobbes, so I don't think that's changing anytime soon. But part of me is like, oh no, man, I should have done changing. Muppets. No, the last <laughs> thing I want is for you to all of a sudden one year go, 
throw out all this stuff. Oh, we're they wouldn't doing, throw them out. We're doing a Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol this year. And then you'll just see like, Ryan, where are you going? And then I just drive <laughs> off. Uh, but this is when um, the bell rings, the fire goes out, and the Marleys show up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted you to just explain a little bit because when the Marley and Marley song happens and we see Statler and Waldorf as them, they are a little bit opaque or see-through. And so I was talking with Ryan, you know, how did they do that? Because it's different than how they did the Ghost of Christmas Past that we talked about earlier. And so you mentioned how that was done. So Brian Henson, this is how he said it. I don't quite understand it, but maybe someone out there smarter than me or knows this kind of stuff can let us know. But he said they filmed Marley and Marley on a bl- on a black background, did that whole thing, and then they actually wa- wa- like film the uh, Scrooge stuff on the same film, and so it like bleaches out the other stuff, like it fits perfectly over the black that was the background there, but it makes them seem kind of ghostly. And it's an old film technique from like. The 30s and 40s, you know, like old stuff like that when they used to do this. But it's a really cool technique to see in Muppet. Yes. And so I I found that really fascinating. Well, it's, it's that's why I think the Muppets are so interesting. This and the Ghost of Christmas Present and anything else they do where it's not just, hey, it's someone in a room with a puppet. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's more than that. It's, it's yeah. like using the tech. <laughs> There's an later when the Ghost of Christmas Future... And they walk and the whole screen does that swirly time tunnel thing and they go through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian Hinson was really funny because he was like, remember how excited we were about this? Because we were like, look at this digital computer effect. Yeah. He's like, now they can, I can do this on my iPhone. Like yeah. He was just like, who cared? Uh-huh. But at the time we were like, wow. And they were yeah. so impressed by it. Uh, the other thing I was curious about in this scene uh, was who did the voices of Marley and Marley because Statler and Waldorf were done by Jim Henson and uh, what was his first name? Richard Hunt. Richard Hunt. And so both of them had passed away. And so Gonzo, the the gentleman who does Gonzo. Dave did, Goals. Thank you. Did Waldorf and uh, the. Jerry Nelson. Was that what I told you? You said who, whoever did the voice of Robin, who was Tiny Tim. I just don't remember. Jerry Nelson. Yes. So, so he did Robin Statler. the Frog, Lou Zealand, Statler and this one. Ma Bear, uh, uh, and oh, Fozzie's mom, and does the uh, Ghost of Christmas Present in this one? Oh, okay. Um, one thing I wanted to jump in real quick about Richard Hunt. So, you remember how you kept there's the horses that keep showing up? Mm-hmm. So, one of them is voiced by Dave Goals, and he decided in his head he named the horse Richmond Aww. for Richard, and he apparently kept writing emails as Richmond <laughs> to. Um, Brian Henson to be like, put me in some more scenes, Brian. <laughs> so like when the like horses are dancing around for the jail and stuff, yeah. that was like him like look like wanting to be go- in it. More. Going okay, we'll put you here, and he's like, put me in some more stuff, Brian. And he was like, that's really funny. It's really funny. I'm telling these stories. I'll put this 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 video up, but it was so charming because it's great. not it's not like a it's it's like if they made a twelve minute director's commentary. It was mm. just like cutting through it and as yeah. they're watching it. That's great. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to mention here is this is when Marley and Marley lets him know you're going to be haunted by three spirits when the bell tolls one. Mm -hmm. So that's, that kind of sets up the rest of this story. So Scrooge is sleeping, Rizzo and 
and Gonzo uh, have a grappling hook. And Ryan was like, how did he know to have that? And I said, well, he no, knows No, I didn't say no. To, how do you know to have it? I go, where did he get that? Oh, well, that I don't know. Because but he knew he, to have it because he knew what was coming that, in the story. Like, that was way too big to just be like in a pocket. He That's what it. I meant. Yes. He must have hit it in the snow. That's what I said. I said it was like Bill and Ted was like, yeah. we put a key here. And then just get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bright light fills the room and we meet the ghost of Christmas past and, uh, Scrooge flies with her and Gonzo lassos basically like Scrooge's legs so they can fly with him and they fly to the schoolhouse. So now we kind of see Scrooge growing up as a boy and even as a boy, he's not super pumped for Christmas. He apparently never goes home for Christmas and looks at it as a chance to get extra work done. And, uh, in the schoolroom, I don't know that I ever put together... There's a line that must come directly from The Christmas Carol where Dickens says something like, we watch the schoolroom age with decay. Mm. And as that happens, then Shakespeare's bust, the nose falls off, the bookshelf falls. And I don't think I ever connected it with that specific line, like Mm. we're, we're watching it age. So I thought that was kind of funny. We then see him at his first job, and this is Fozzywig and the old rubber well, chicken now, now factory. Well, now hold on, you you skipped the schoolmaster. I only bring this up because he's one of my favorite Muppets, Sam Eagle. Sam Eagle. Yes, which I like the lines like it's the American way. He's like Sam. It's this all this story takes place in England. Oh, the British way. Like you I just like good it. Sam Eagle. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, it's just oh, I, yeah. Now I can't do it. But you I did, did it. For a you did there. it well. I uh, love Sam the Eagle. He's because he's such because every all the Muppets are crazy, wild weirdos, and he's so straight laced. Yes. I love him. Uh, so then we see him at his first job. It's the Christmas party, and uh, I may ruin this for you, listeners. And we may have said it in another episode if we ever have talked about the Swedish Chef. But Ryan ruined oh this God. for me. Uh, the Swedish chef has human hands yes. and I cannot unsee it. And it bothers me not, every time I see him. Not human colored hands. Actual human hands. They don't put any, you're seeing they the puppeteer's actual hands. Yes. And I hate it. And it, and it has ruined it for, I've never noticed I it until Ryan it so said much. it. And now I, I can't I love the Swedish it. chef. But just that one thing, I'm like, oh God. Yeah. So he's there at the Christmas party. As well. And so are a lot of the other Muppets that you know and love are in this scene. And this is when Scrooge meets the love of his life, Belle. This is the first time they meet. We then see a Christmas Eve years later where Scrooge keeps putting off their wedding. And Mm -hmm. we find out, you know, it's to manage the business. He seems to always have an excuse as to why they shouldn't get married. And this is where your, not your son, but the Love is Lost song is. Um, Yes, yes. Because it's called The Love is Found. At the end. When love is gone. When love. Yeah, I knew it was something with when. Yes, sorry. Um, That's fine. So, yeah. So, that's where that would have been. It would have been there. And it's also, we said, it it didn't feel nearly as bad of a cut as we thought it was going. No. They they said in your fact. Yeah, they said it was kind of jarring, but it didn't feel that way. It felt appropriate how they all reacted after that scene. Mm Because we get the dialogue, we just don't get the song. So now he's back in the bedroom and Ghost of Christmas Present comes around and he's the mind of here and now and he's a bit absent-minded. And is that in the original story that the Ghost of Christmas Present, present you know, he's so in the present, he he's kind of forgetful? I'm trying to remember. I mean, because I, I, I really liked that detail and I was just curious well, if that when was... Well, you read it because I know, I am going to read it. I'm probably going to read it tonight. I should have read it before this. I I goofed and didn't put that oh, together. Oh, it happens. I'm uh, sure we will cover 
some other version of a Christmas carol again. <laughs> That's true. So then the next song, It Feels Like Christmas, comes. And uh, this is such a boisterous and jolly song uh, sung by the Ghost of Christmas Present. We get to see the town on Christmas Day. Uh, and you had mentioned that the Ghost of Christmas Present was designed after an oh, employee. Oh, gosh. I, I need to pull that fact back up. Uh, it was just a, a puppeteer who started work on like Return of the Jedi and uh, had been with them a few years. But I think you should try to do a side-by-side if you can find a side-by-side. I will. I'll or find do it your own side-by-side. Yeah, but because he listeners. looks... I showed it to Tara and she was like, oh yeah, she look, he looks yeah. just like him. And it was just this jolly looking guy with but a beard. I love the texture of his beard. He has a very yeah, cool... The yeah, beard yeah. has a really cool texture. A very specific texture. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to Fred, his nephew. They're at the house and they're playing a game... Where, you know, Fred is giving them hints. Uh, it's kind of like 20 questions. You know, they're asking him, you know. What do they call it? As soon as they said it, I missed it. And I was like, did you hear him? What, oh, what the game was called? No, but it feels like 20 questions. It, I, I it don't essentially recall. is. Yeah. It's an animal, mineral, vegetable. Yeah. And, and so we find out it's Scrooge, an unwanted creature. It's that's not, not a, a rat, a leech, or a cockroach. Yes. Uh, and so now we go to visit Bob Cratchit's house. And you can see Scrooge's. Getting, you know, not so happy, you know, revisiting Mm -hmm. past memories as well as what's currently going on. Uh, And this is where I think we used to say it smells wonderful, mother. And it's Peter who says that. And it's actually it smells good, mother. So that's another line. And then the goose, the goose. I think we put that all as like one line. I would like to, and this is less about the podcast and more about our lives, put a moratorium on talking about how that line doesn't exist. Because I think... It's so close to what it is that, yes. like, we're going to just say, the goose, the goose. Well, and he does. You do it better. Do the goose The line. goose. Mother, the goose, the <laughs> goose. Uh, but Tiny Tim does talk about the goose when he sits down. He doesn't yes. cough, though. Yes, he does after that. Mother, the goose. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. We're not, we're not, we're not moratorium on saying, trying to pick apart exactly what this line is. Yes, but so it happens, so. It makes sense that we kind of grouped it together in high school, Mm -hmm. but it's funny. It doesn't happen the way that we retell it, which I always love. Uh, But Kermit and uh, Robin, or Bob and Tiny Tim, they come kind of singing this cute little acapella song um, as they're coming through the street to come home. And you had a fact about that as well. They're on a barrel in that shot. You can tell looking at it that the road looks like it's just kind of rotating. Uh, in order to get that shot to have them look like they're moving but still be this kind of marionetted bit, I just is I it was uh, Brian Henson pointed out as one of his favorite little like yeah. tricks in it. It looks really good. It does, yeah. It looks very good. So I also love just the interactions of all the children. You have Belina and Bettina, Belina and Bettina and Peter and Peter, and then Tiny Tim who comes home. So they have four children, and when they give a toast to Scrooge, it's Kermit who gives the toast. And I love how the daughters back Miss Piggy up. She's like, she humps a lot. She's like, hmm, hmm. And she does, you know, like good riddance. And she doesn't say good riddance, but she has kind of, she's not happy that Bob Cratchit is giving this toast. And I love the daughters kind of echoing her. It's a good comedic bit. And this is also when Scrooge makes a comment on what a meager feast it is. Mm-hmm. And the ghost of Christmas present saying, you know, but it's much appreciated. And then Tiny Tim goes in to bless us all. Uh, that's the next song. Mm-hmm. So then we cut, we get to the ghost of Christmas future. And you had a story about the fog. So 
You see the fog come because at we Scrooge. See, we see Ghost of Christmas Present fades, right? Yes. He ages and fades. Yes. And then this fog comes in. This fog comes at him and Scrooge turns at the last second and runs from it. It's because Brian Henson had said, I'll say Michael and you'll know to turn. And he was like, Michael, Michael. And like Michael Caine couldn't hear him. <laughs> and he was like, Michael. And Michael like looked at the last thing. He was like, oh. So it looks, yeah. if it looks a little rushed. I think it looks good. But I think it's, it, yeah. it fits. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he seems genuinely surprised, and yes. it was because he was genuinely surprised. Yeah. So the ghost of Christmas future is very eerie, very creepy. He never talks. He only points. He's so much taller than Michael Caine. I want to take a second and push my glasses all the way up the bridge of my nose and just say, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Oh, I apologize. It's, I think I said future earlier, too, so we're both... It's, Do they say future though? In I think they the say they might say film? it might be. I they say yet to come. When I was looking him up, because I was trying to see if they reused these Muppets anywhere else. He is so spooky. Yeah, he I, would be good in like a Halloween. Cause, well, because I think you could redo present and just dress him in different clothes and mm-hmm. he works for other stuff but I, that's what i was looking at like yet to come and wondering at like where else they would use him so i was looking up the muppet wiki i didn't see anything but yeah that's what it said yet to come mm. the internet pushed its glasses way up the bridge of its <laughs> nose at me so then we we head to bob's house bob cratchit's house and it's so quiet it's very somber it's very sad we see uh bob cratchit's wife miss piggy is mm-hmm. crying and uh <laughs> It's we, just funny to hear Bob Cratchit's wife, and then you're like, Miss. It, so Miss is also not married. And then Piggy is not uh, like, I don't know, enough, the whole thing is just funny. Sorry. Uh, so we see them, that they're very upset. We realize that they've lost Tiny Tim. And then Ryan made a point that I never thought about. Bob Cratchit also lost his job because Scrooge is dead. Yeah. In this line. So Scrooge dies the same time that Tiny Tim dies. So a lot has gone wrong well the other thing or or is just gone has not gone well yeah has not gone well for them i should say um it's interesting because i wonder if those are supposed to be the same christmases or if that's just another christmas sometime in the future that's true yeah that i don't know anyway but uh real quick sorry i felt like i was cutting you off and i apologize for that but i do want to say um this we missed the part where rizzo and gonzo go away yes they go away they kind of introduce the ghost of Christmas yet to come. <laughs> and uh, then they say, you know. Sorry you're married to such a turd. <laughs> this is too. They, do they say too scary for this is, us? Yeah, this is too spooky for us. We'll, we'll see you back. at the end. And yeah, they we'll be back, peace kids. Out. And they and, peace out. And I but also, I, yeah, I think you're going to say what I was going to say. It's a good saying? warning for kids that. Oh. oh, I thought it's kind of a good warning yeah, to yeah. be like, hey, this is a little spooky, but don't worry. Like, like we'll be back. Everything will be okay. Yes, that I like. But I also like. We're going to go away, and this is going to get probably the most serious this movie is going to get. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good for the storytelling, especially right before the redemption, because you need that kind of spooky, like, whatever to have it, your spirit, uh, your spirits be lifted at the end. Yeah, well, and it really shakes Scrooge, and we see that happen. You know, he they talk about uh, how Bob Cratchit, you know, picked a spot on the hill for Tiny Tim to watch the ducks. He always loved the ducks. And then we go to the cemetery and Ebenezer sees his tombstone and yes. and see, you know, it's covered in snow. He wipes it. He's sobbing. He's begging uh, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You know, please, can this be changed? Is there anything I can do? And then the next time we see him, he's in bed mm-hmm. and he wakes up and he's so joyful to be home and he opens the window. That's when he knocks Gonzo and Rizzo. You know, they're back. 
uh, knocks them off and he calls down Nabeen Bunny and he sends him to go get the prize turkey. Mm-hmm. And Ryan has a bone to pick about the prize turkey, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's not there yet. <laughs> I, uh, I also want to... Well, I guess we're not there yet. Sorry. So he, he gets dressed, comes out, pats Rizzo and Gonzo. Well, before that, I love there's one line where Gonzo, because he's still narrating, he goes, and the boy was off like a shot, talking about Bean Bunny. And then Bean Bunny runs through him <laughs> and... Uh, him and Rizzo, and these are the moments we were talking about at the start, uh, where you know now everyone is interacting right. with Gonzo and Rizzo, which they hadn't before. And so they see Beaker and Bunsen. Yes, he gives them a charitable donation and whispers the amount, but it's enough to uh, make up for all the back payments he missed. So it's obviously a sizable amount. Yes, and then Beaker he gives he gives him his scarf because he's like, I wish we had something to give you in return, and like. You see that moment that really touches Scrooge. It's of probably like, the first I've, gift he ever got in a if, long if, time. If not the first gift, yeah, the one he has gotten that he can remember. And then it goes into Thankful Heart. Yes. Which is my favorite song. We were talking about like what mm. you think your favorite song is. This one is my favorite because of the history with Paul Williams. Yeah. And re-listening to it from the the view of a person who has, trying, who, who has gone through... Uh, is it rehab yeah gone through rehab and they've cleaned you know they've gotten sober and like looking at the world through renewed uh joy and, re- mm-hmm. and new eyes and and i just i i love it i i have some i think michael kane does a passable job through this song until the part where he's singing around the coal that part is rough. It is a little like, rough. When Life he's leaving is the... like a charity. It's like, when oh he's le- leaving the coal for the bookkeeper. Yes, that yeah. part is hard to hear. Yeah. However, I love that song. And it's I, a good song. And I, I, I even like that it's kind of like like spoke sung by mm-hmm. him, but I, I love it. Well, and now here comes the part where usually I say something heartfelt and then Ryan comes in with like... A goofball McGillicuddy's... And for me, I love Marley and Marley. Like, I love all oh, the yeah, reasons yeah, yeah. you list it why this song is your favorite. And it is a really good song. But for me, I think I have to go with Marley and Marley. I just think, and like, I, I don't know. I'm not someone, like, I have not gone through any sort of program. I have I don't find myself to be, like, a super renewed person. But, like, that Vulture article really, sp- not necessarily spoke to me specifically, but really put the whole show into perspective. And I really have a lot of, like, admiration for yeah. Paul Williams and, like, respect for that. And, like, and, and again... I'm seeing this through new eyes and being mm-hmm. like, this This is a very interesting twist on this on this story. Yes, very much so. Uh, so we also talked about when... <laughs> uh, when ba- so Ebenezer goes around to everyone. So he goes around to visit everyone and he's dropping off From food the and gifts yeah, yeah. and things like that. His tenants. Yeah, and uh, so he, he goes... He gives them to the schoolmaster and Fozziewig, to which I wanted to point out that Old Fozzie is horrifying, <laughs> much like old, not as bad as old Gonzo. No, and old Gonzo Mansion. and Haunted old Mansion. Old Gonzo and Haunted Mansion is bad, but uh, Sam Eagle looks great. He's aged very well. He's a silver fox. I've said it my whole life. <laughs> but the other place he goes is to Fred's, and when he goes and drops off food and things to Fred, Fred does look a little guilty because Ryan made a good point. <laughs> he's thinking this would up be, his. He's thinking yeah. up his game for twenty questions yeah. about. Ooh, Scrooge. I got a good one, and then yeah. like Scrooge walks, in, he's like, "Oh, gulp." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he then has everyone hide. So basically the whole town, the whole city is following him to Bob Cratch's house. They all hide. He knocks on the door and he's very stern. And he says, you know, why weren't you at work? And obviously Bob Cratchit is very surprised. 
And then Miss Piggy comes out, uh, Bob Cratchit's wife, and she just like lets him have it. And he goes, I, he goes, I, I, I'm determined to raise your salary. She's like, I'm gonna raise you off this pavement. Yes, like- <laughs> I wrote that down. It's such a good line. But then Ryan shared that that was me, and yes, I have my Miss Piggy streaks. I well, have like, my you're protective of me. Yes, when I'm protective of you, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to point out, like, I. D- I like this scene and I like what happens, but in general, I hate like this idea that Scrooge is like, I've treated Bob terribly for, you know, however many years. Hmm. Let me get him just one more time with one more little like One joke. more little it's like, jab. Hey yeah. man, how about you start, the, the apologies start now and we'll let you know when you can stop. Yeah, but he does <laughs> offer to pay off his mortgage. Not only yes. raise his salary, but the mortgage is like, they don't have to worry about that Here's anymore. Here's the thing, is he paying his mortgage or does Scrooge own the mortgage I think it's like I'm for and he's like just you're like you're good. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Yeah, I think okay. it's probably like Right, right, right. Yeah, like you no longer have to pay me uh for the mortgage. Like I'm absorbing that cost right. essentially. But then this is where we said, you know, <laughs> they bring a raw turkey. So it's a chore that Bob So wife, now someone has to cook Ms. the turkey. Piggy I'm now assuming has to cook, this is Piggy. Yeah, yeah, has to cook that turkey. And now she has a house full of people that she has to Not clean up. Not just after. people, Tara. The horses, horses are in there. Yeah. There are animals who are just are are Richmond the horse is going to relieve himself right there. I know how horses work. Yeah, but then uh, (laughs) when they're all around the table, the turkey is cooked. It's looking golden and delicious on the table. Uh, They do. But that doesn't. That's not a a a small amount of time. No, but they do a. (laughs) They've been there a while. Yes, they do a reprise of the love song, but it's now the love we found. Yes, Uh, and so that's how the film ends, and it's wonderful. I I love it. I love it more and more every year. Um, I'm telling you, read this article. It really, hopefully, like what we've described has helped bump this up in your estimation of it. If you didn't already love it, right? Let's real quick. Let's do our questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was the Prince Scrooge? Because because oh, here's another thing. We're not gonna rank a villain in this. I don't. Think, really. Scrooge is the closest thing to a villain, but it's such a redemptive story that I don't think it would do well for him as a villain. He's also the focus of yeah, the, yeah. He's a he's protagonist. The yeah, so I I really liked Michael Caine as Scrooge. That you know he has a couple uh, moments with his singing, uh, but other than that, other I, than that, it's a great performance. I, I think it's a fantastic performance, and, and apparently he loves this movie like too. Well, and he yeah. loves the Muppets. You know, we we found facts, we found things of him. You know, seeking this role out, and you can just tell, you know, that he was all in. You could tell he was all in to play this role, mm-hmm. and I, I think it shows. Who do you think the princess was? Is it Kermit? I think so. Okay. I like Kermit in this. We talked a little bit about his voice. And there are spots where I go, that's not Jim Henson. But, like, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, again, I think it's such a huge undertaking because this is two years after Jim has passed. So it is the first big production that they've done without Jim Henson kind of leading the way. And Kermit's an icon. Yes. An icon. Yeah. Um, What are the other questions? Oh, yeah. I'm doing it from memory. How are the henchmen sidekicks? Uh, I'm going to put that mostly on just the other Muppets, but Rizzo and oh, Gonzo. Oh, Rizzo and Gonzo are were great. fantastic. They're two of my favorites. I, it's the only thing about Haunted Mansion that kind of bums me out is that I, I don't think the guy who does Rizzo is, is still. I don't know what the story is because I feel like I don't see Rizzo much in the Muppets anymore. Mm. And that it being Pepe I love and, Rizzo. and Gonzo, but like. 
Gonzo and Rizzo is such a good match, and they're in it. Like, don't they follow them around in Muppet Treasure Island? Like, they become like kind of the the pairing for a while. I think so. Yeah, we'll find out because because spoiler guys, when we'll around the time of Treasure Planet, we'll be also doing a mini tale on Muppet Treasure Island. So Um, excited! (laughs) So, how does it hold up? I I think it holds up well because it is a traditional story that is told this time of year every year. Yes. Right? So in that regard, you know, it's taking place, it is a period piece. Yes. Because it's taking place during, you know, when Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. But I think in the same way, it's timeless, even though it's a period piece, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, again, the the things of like female character agency, like that's the Christmas story. I don't think they really do a lot with that. Yeah. And then like ethnic representation or, you know, minority representation is it's a Dickens thing and made in 1993. Like you're not going to see a lot. Like we're just now starting to see. Was the Muppets cast diverse though? The, the puppeteers? No, from the, from the seventies, typically not. I do feel like the puppeteers now more and more are, uh, I think this is around the time. For a long time, it was a very male-dominated field. It probably still is. I don't know a lot about the the field of puppeteering. Um, But, you know, Jim Henson was also very, like, liberal-minded. And, you know, like, they had, like, a very big... The Harry Belafonte uh, episode of The Muppet Show was very famous for its depictions of African culture and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and he tried to do a lot of that stuff. But it was also, like... There's always the talk of the performative liberal like version of of representation, which is better than a lot of things, but isn't the same as letting those voices have their own tell their own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I kind of, you know, it's 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 kind of crummy for me as a, a a a white male to be like I give it a pass, but like. I understand a little bit why that's the case here. I will say I do like that one of the ghosts was a woman. She was a child, but yes. she was I I like that that there's a little bit of diversity there, right? Whereas instead of it being I three male if, ghosts. See if it's a it's a woman in the in the story. I mean, no, no, not right now. Oh, like when, when you I read it. it. Sorry, okay, sorry. Okay. You like, like reach for your uh, phone. Okay. I didn't mean to give you an assignment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's that. Um. So finally, I, I, this is the easiest. I, I feel like we. <laughs> this is a very easy question on our shelf. Oh, 100%. Yes, it 100%. is. I think we do own it, don't we? I don't think we do because I think it's so easily Oh, well, streaming. I will be buying it for the 30th anniversary. I think when it, we didn't have Disney Plus, it was on Netflix, so. Yes, so we were able to find it there, yeah. So yeah, that's that's it, guys. I hope you've really enjoyed our, uh, you know, month-long holiday celebration. A December to remember. A December. <laughs> we sound like a Honda dealership. Um, but I do want to say one thing uh, about this. We, these four movies have all been Christmas movies. And we understand that there are lots of other um, holidays to celebrate around this time mm-hmm. of year. We just, I, I personally just maybe don't know a lot of good specials for those holidays that we could watch. So next year, our call out to our fans for, you know, you can do it right now. We'll, we'll put it on the docket for next year or even throughout the year. If, you know, you celebrate something around this time that's not Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, anything else I'm Winter not thinking solstice. of. Winter solstice, whatever. Please let us know some sort of animated, uh, stop motion animated puppet, like anything uh, special that we can watch to kind of add to our collection yeah, and do to. it next year. And, you know, hopefully uh, 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 kind of be a little more represent- representative of that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our our, our our four Christmas ones this year. Um, I 
had a blast doing it. Um, if you've got any recommendations, like we said, uh, give us a call, 707-YO-TRPD-1. Leave us an email, anything like that. Um, always remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell someone about our little podcast. Whatever you celebrate, it, be it Christmas or anything else, uh, have a happy holidays. Anything else I need to say to cover all my bases? You got it. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays, listeners, and you'll hear us in the new year. Oh, oh, oh. Well, children, I hope you've all enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Now, if you want to let Tara and Ryan know what you want next year for Christmas, you can send them an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com or call them on the very easy-to-remember hotline, 707-YO-TRPD-1. That's 707-968-7731. If you want to stay off the naughty list, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean.com, or wherever you hear it. Stay safe and be good, everyone. Happy holidays to all, and to all a good night. Oh!